If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. This is the Custard TV podcast. I'm Luke and I'm from thecustardtv.com. Uh, Matt's here in the northern area. Hello, Matt. Good afternoon to you. Tell me the most exciting thing to happen to you this week. I'm talking to you right now. Uh... <laughs> That'll do. Um... Um... <laughs> Probably. I don't think you'll be able to top it. No, no, no. Okay. Can't think of anything. And due to popular demand, because we haven't had a hyphenated person on this year yet, <laughs> it's Will Barber-Taylor who contributes to the site. How the devil are you, Will? I'm fine, thank you, Luke. It's great to be back. What's the most exciting thing happened to you this week? Um, Apart from this... Um, take this as red. This is okay. This take is... this as red. Um, yeah. I think I got a a new shampoo uh, the other day, a um, mango um, scented shampoo. So that will probably be the most exciting thing uh, to happen this week to me. Where was it bought from? Uh, I think, if I remember rightly, it was little. I got some mango shampoo. Yeah. Other mango shampoos are available. We should say. <laughs> Although I don't know yeah. if that's I'm, true I'm or not. I'm not sponsored by Little. I want to make that clear. I will not yeah. be making any money, or I won't be making any money from me shouting no. out their shampoo on no. this podcast. Not what? yet. Not until I do the bun <laughs> deal after this. What made you choose mango? <laughs> I thought because the the normal kind of like shampoo that I get is more like. Vanilla shampoo. I sometimes yeah, get minty shampoo. Ninja? Uh, yeah, uh, mint. Minty shampoo. Not I thought you said ninja. Shampoo. I thought you were like <laughs> fighting in the shower. Like... <laughs> shampoo that appears as if from nowhere. Ninja shampoo. Yeah. yeah. Just plops under your head when you least suspect it. Uh, go on. So I thought, why not give mango a go? Why not be exciting? Push the boat out. So I got some mango shampoo. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So on the podcast this week, we have 
uh, four shows to discuss, but Will is here for three of them because, you know, we don't want to overexert him. So Matt and I will talk about the Euphoria uh, special uh, a little later on. But with Will's company, we will discuss new Sky Atlantic drama 000. We'll discuss new Channel 5 drama The Drowning and critically acclaimed comedy uh, that has finally arrived on Channel 4, uh, despite its life previous to this on the aforementioned Stars play we talk about every week. That's Rami. First of all, though, some Golden Globe nominations have come out. People are in disbelief and, uh, and anger that things from Netflix have dominated the, the nominations where things like I May Destroy You get no love whatsoever. And we didn't cover Emily in Paris because I refused to watch it. It's one of the worst <laughs> things Netflix has ever done. We, we didn't really discuss ever talking about it really at all, did we? No. So. But we did watch Ratchet, and that is mm. unquestionably a bad TV show. And I don't begrudge it. It's not Netflix's fault mm. that they've been well, nominated for a ton of stuff. Can I just, just say for the moment that the SAGs uh, did a bit better in terms of nominating you know michaela cole and things like that yeah. but yeah they got the the golden globes as you say went went crazy for ratchet it's just mad um, you know we spoke about it the week it was on the platform and then the conversation just died because people saw it and it wasn't worth writing home about and it does show you just the power of that platform netflix is just so powerful that even something as mediocre you know as terrible as ratchet will get a nomination because it's on that platform. It's yeah. just staggering. If you, if you look at these these nominations, so there's three of the five best dramas they've got on there. Three are Netflix, The Crown, Ozark and Ratchet. And then you've got The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. And so the only thing that's actually on actual telly is Lovecraft Country from, from HBO. Mm. In terms of the, the musical comedy, as you say, Emily in Paris on that side is, is the only Netflix one. And then we've got The Flight Attendant, uh, The Great, Schitt's Creek and, and Ted Lasso. Across the, so we've had the Golden Globes and the Screen Actors Guild nominations this week. And across across both of them, The Crown, in terms of the acting nominations, has done very well. So uh, Josh O'Connor, Olivia Colman, Emma Corrin, uh, Gillian Anderson have all... Um, been nominated in both of those uh, awards series. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, as you know, I don't get the love for the crown, mm. but it's just that Netflix is so powerful that it doesn't seem to matter the quality of the stuff they put out. It's just if it if it's pr- well, pr- promoed a lot and people mm. are aware of it, they'll watch what a couple. I, and... What I would say about how seriously to take the Golden Globes is sort of take it with a pinch of salt because it's voted for by this group called the Hollywood Foreign Press Association who mm-hmm. often vote for things just so they can have certain people turn up at the awards as nominees. So, you know, it's not the most sort of, you know, looked upon awards in terms of some of the things they've nominated. So, for example, in the in the film categories, they've nominated... Do, have you heard of this film, Music? No. It's, no. It's one from Sia is, is behind it and it's about an autistic... A child, and and it's got a lot of criticism for its portrayal of autism and Mm. casting sort of a non-autistic actor. You know, uh, you know, it's got a lot of criticisms of being ableist, 
and and the Golden Globes have nominated it in two categories, presumably so Sia will appear. That is that sort of thing, really. The thing you know. is, you book Sia, you won't see her anyway, will you? No. That's the whole gimmick. I don't know why she bothers. Oh, I was surprised oh, by the love oh. of the undoing, but that again is the star mm. power of Nicole yeah. Kidman, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. The, the one good thing on here is is the fact Normal People has been nominated uh, and, and Daisy yeah. Edgar Jones has got a nomination yes. where she didn't at the Emmys, but Paul Meskell hasn't been nominated here. And another one that sort of cropped up a lot is the, is the Queen's Gambit as well, to sort of add to your Netflix-ness. The Netflix. uh, I mean, that was a given. It's just mm. the weird choices of Ratchet and Emily in Paris and, and just the complete... A lot of people liked Emily in Paris, though, I saw her on. They uh... were wrong, but that's all right. <laughs> But Michaela okay. Cole, I have to say, did did get in there in the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Mm. So you know, I think her her peers, because the Screen Actors Guild is you know voted yeah. for by actors, yeah. uh, you know, appreciated that performance. Um, Kate Blanchett is in there as well for Mrs. America. Um, Bill Camp for the Queen's Gambit is possibly the oddest award there. That is odd. That is uh, odd. Is the All janitor. he did was sit down. Yeah, <laughs> I could have been nominated for. Thank you for that. Okay, um, thank you for that. We will um, let you know who wins that when the awards come out, and I'm sure BAFTA will recognise Michaela Cole with a ton of awards when it's our turn mm. to dish them out. Speaking of award-winning dramas, well, if you want to walk us through the premise of the first show we'll discuss, which is Channel 5's The Drowning. <laughs> that segue. <laughs> Sorry, Will, to cut you off. It which was award? a segue. Which awards? <laughs> soon, soon which to be. Awards? Sorry, soon to be is what I should have said. Yeah. Soon to be award-winning drama, The Drowning from Channel Five. I mean, you never know. It might win an Some award. T- it TV, might TV Choice Award. Yeah, it <laughs> may win possibly. a TV Choice Award. Is, is TV Quick still a thing? I don't think I don't so. Know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they'll bring TV Quick back just to give The Drowning an award. Possibly, we it, can but hope. It, it will probably be long listed for a national TV award. Every yeah. show on television is. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> the Drowning is about a woman called uh, Jodie, uh, who's played by uh, Jill Halfpenny, uh, who runs a gardening business. I think I'm right in saying it's like a, a, a gardening business. That seems to I, be... I think I th- I struggled to work out what sort of business it was, but that's what I like sort of... Yeah. Uh... No pun intended. Don't get bogged down yeah. in what kind of business she runs. It's not, that crucial. <laughs> not that crucial to the plot. All right, it's not that crucial to the plot, but <laughs> it involves flowers and like plants and stuff. So we'll say garden. We'll He's say... not letting it go. He's La- not letting la- it go. Lands- landscaping, perhaps. Yeah. Landscaping, yeah. Okay, yeah. so she runs a, a struggling uh, landscaping business. And in fact, if and you she... go in the front door, there was a line that where she said, "Oh, lovely smell of mangoes in here." When I first walked in, <laughs> I don't know whether you caught that. I didn't think it was relevant at the time, but now it seems. It's all relevant. connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Well, um, you just have to power through some of these. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so she's she's on the way. <laughs> She's on the way uh, to a business meeting because her business is struggling. And while she's in the car, uh, she sees a boy, I don't know, he's meant to be like about 12 or 13 or something, uh, going onto a school bus. And she thinks that uh, this boy looks exactly like uh, a grown-up version of her son, Tom, who 
died mysteriously in a in, in a drowning, though his body was never recovered uh, years before. So she follows him for a bit. And then when she's done following him, she goes to the police and says, oh, I think that this is my um, son. And they say, oh, all right. And understandably, given that there's no actual evidence that it is her son. I mean, usually in these kind of dramas, when you have a character go to the police and say, oh, you know, this, uh, something has happened, mysterious has happened, or this person is this person. Usually as the audience, we're meant to go when the police go, mm, well, this doesn't seem to be something we can investigate. We're meant to go, oh, you fools. You know, it's obvious from what we've seen that this is a, something that's gone wrong. This is the particular person involved. But when I was watching it, I just thought, to be honest, they've got a point. It's like a reenactment, this, isn't it? More than a than summing up. It's like I'm watching it again. <laughs> to, to to try and quicken up my summing up. Please, we've got right. other shows to do. She goes to the school uh, and basically goes undercover uh, to, to try and um, get closer to her son. But uh, his father, who she believes has kidnapped him, is a bit iffy towards her showing interest into uh, the sun and then antics happen afterwards in the subsequent episodes. I've only seen the first episode, so I can only say that it ends with the proposition of, of her getting into a, a duel with um, a Rupert Penry Jones's character to prove that um, the boy is indeed her son. This was filmed before social distancing, so if they were to have a duel, it would be allowed. <laughs> it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be a problem. Well, now actually, it, uh, yeah, a uh, metaphorical duel. I would say, actually, Luke, I know this because I watched um, the one show and uh, Jill Halfpenny was on it. Some of it was filmed before and some of it was filmed uh, after. So uh, if they, yeah. I've only seen the first one. If they did have a duel, it would have had to have been filmed early on in the shoot. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the big premise here is her going undercover to sort of ascertain, is this my son? I know that there's a music teacher's position just just popped up <laughs> at the school. I'll just go, the, the interview itself was so bizarre. It was. <laughs> it was just like... Did she actually like have like a degree in the subject that she was meant to be teaching i mean leaving aside like the dbs check which she could probably have got legally cheaper than going through this sort of like shady we started our company girls who do interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to chase for business to build along with us they had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place and with the chase mobile app our business is wherever we are it's made for business owners who build to inspire Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. Underground thing. It's like you you would imagine that they would think because this school is, I, I think, meant to be like a little bit pretentious because the um, uh, lady teacher said, oh, we, we don't use first names, we use surnames. So you would imagine that they would have someone... Uh, employed at their school to teach a subject who like had a degree in the subject yeah. or at least had some teaching experience not just some <laughs> random woman yeah. who, who'd done some music back in the day because yeah. her ex-partner the dad to this son looks like a session musician you know she goes in to disturb him when he's recording a track and 
the, he's got like a home recording studio in his garden. So they've obviously got a love of music, but obviously this love of music has transitioned to landscape gardening in <laughs> somewhere along the line. Whether we'll get that as a backstory. I think for me on this, it, is, it was just a bizarre thing where people don't act in this way. Because a lot of people have I've seen on Twitter say, mm. it's rubbish, it's bonkers, but I couldn't stop watching it. And I yeah. wondered whether you would be one of those people who would say, I know it's ridiculous, I know it's bonkers. There was intrigue here, and it is like, as I've said before, one of those sort of airport novel, trashy thriller stories. Mm. I think that the the issue here in this, as, as, as I think all three of us have only watched the first episode, is that they didn't do enough to establish what, you know, the, the actual drowning of the title. We saw a little clip right at the beginning of the day that he will say disappeared because she still has struggled to actually come to terms with the fact that he is dead and now he might not be we see a little bit of that you know they're having a barbecue by the lake or something like that and then that's it and we're eight years on in the future i mean uh, the one thing i will say is i quite like jill halfpenny in this see see i struggle with her I don't believe her in anything. Really. Why? I just, she's just not a very good actress in my eyes at all. She, uh, why I, is she that though? She doesn't sell anything to me. I don't oh. feel empathy towards I her. I think she, she tried her best to sell yeah. this. Yeah. Well, bless her. Bless her. She tried her best in this. I, I know what you mean. And I found that with her in the past as well in some mm. things. I like to hear, you know, she was on screen for basically the entire thing. And, and, sold the hell out of their ridiculous premise. I think she did her best given the sort of like the circumstances and some of the really just ridiculous elements. I mean, there are some sort of like things that were just like really minor, but just like I thought were just (laughs) weird. Like during the um, parent teacher meeting, I was thinking, well, why are they having it like in the entrance? Wouldn't that like be a bit drafty? I mean, it's sort of like not a small school. You would kind of imagine that if they were going to have a, a parent-teacher like conference thing, they wouldn't necessarily have the desks right next to the entrance. It was sort of half parents' evening, half open evening, wasn't yeah. it? I don't think because it's written by three people, and it doesn't seem these people have ever been inside a school, <laughs> ever or even a... been in the same room with each other. When they were ever had it. a ever had a job interview? As I say, that job interview scene where it's like. You've actually not got a teaching degree, you know. You yeah. did some private tutoring back in the day. We'll we'll think about it if you have a DBS check. <laughs> then obviously, you know, she has to get it doctored, presumably because she's lost it. I don't even understand why would they not let her teach if they found out her child had died? Yeah, that seems like really weird. <laughs> Does she think that because she made the report to the police that the police told them or something, but the, the impression that we're given is that they just didn't do anything. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll do yeah. something. It doesn't really make much sense why she would like want to create a fake identity. Surely that would just make things more difficult for her if she is supposedly as, as strapped for cash as we're meant to believe through the gardening business. Wouldn't it just Would be cheaper to get a real... the gardening business? <laughs> Wouldn't it be cheaper just to get the DBS check legally than rather go through like, because surely a fake one is going to be more expensive than mm. just to get a and real more risky. One. I on, famously, I don't have much time. Ty- I can see this will appeal to a lot of people, 
people who just watch it and switch their brain off and don't question the things that Will and Matt are questioning, but I, I have very little time for mm. this sort of thing. However, I will say that it is all down to the writing. I know I gave Jill Halfpenny a bit of a hard time because if you cast your minds back to 2007... Chris Lang wrote a very similar drama. Yeah, I was going to say this. That this reminds me of Torn. Will Where, won't remember this because he's young, but yeah, Will it reminds me of Torn. Yeah, born probably. <laughs> but, well, um, no, no, no. <laughs> this was um, a bit far. This was a story of a young girl who went on a beach holiday with her family, and uh, properly went missing. And later on, her mother discovered her. I can't quite remember how the mother discovered her, but she tracked her down. And that story had the daughter actually being found and living back with that family and how the dynamic had changed because she'd been brought up by Nicola and- Walker and Bradley Walsh. Which isn't a bad way of growing up. You know, um, I wouldn't mind it. I think in that as well, that got a lot of controversy because it was around the same time as Madeleine McCann. Yeah, so there was a yeah. lot of stuff there. Luke, you know, you, you you will only watch drama if you buy into the world or believe in the characters well, or blah de blah de blah. Yes. Yeah, but <laughs> but don't use all my catchphrases, Matt. We've got a whole podcast to get through. But the thing is that you could believe that you've lost this this boy and this could be him years later it's all the other contrivances to get them to meet and all the silliness around the dbs check and this stupid interview and just there's nothing clever been done there's then there's the the female teacher who just looks really suspicious of her in every scene she's just (laughs) She's like that dog in The Simpsons with the shifty eyes every time. <laughs> every time she sees Jill Halfpenny at the school, she's like that, does that with her eyes. But it's even like the little things which I struggle with. So when the Jonas Armstrong uh, character had rang her, on her phone it just comes up as bro. <laughs> you don't have. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but like I can't think of anyone who has that. You just have the sibling's name in your phone, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. bro or sis. Yeah. It's just like little it's, things. It like was that. just like they weren't. That's what I didn't like more than anything, because that premise has been done and it could be intriguing and you could buy into it, but the writing was so lazy. And her performance I didn't buy. It was just, like you say, and, it was a lot of winking at the camera and, and then laziness. Rupert Penry Jones, when you get to him as the dad to the to fully grown child in, in, the, yeah. in these present scenes, it looked like they'd just woken him up. He looked really <laughs> <Yeah>. tired. Every <laughs> yeah. scene he was in, he just... <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. What a massive star Rupert Penry Jones used to be. And then to come back to the UK and this is... The first thing you're in. I mean, Channel 5... Maybe he was jet-lagged and they just tricked possibly. him into it. Channel 5 launched in 1997. And when I was watching this, this As could have been Will, made... You? Were you born in 97? Did you launch in 97, Will? No, 98. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you're, oh, my God. You're younger than Channel 5. <laughs> I was just a bit sick in my mouth when he said 98. <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is that this could have been made in 1997 and I, I would have quite happily sat there as a whatever age I was in 97 and probably watched it. But it's a channel that knows its audience. It knows it loves its bargain Brits in the sun and GP surgeries and 
rich all holiday, poor holiday, all creatures great and small. It's not trying to be anything other than no. Channel but Five, and for, just... for that you can't knock it. Mm. But no. for, to, but I, I, you, I, think... I just can't be bothered. Yeah. This is that the their audience is people who have been working all day, yeah. coming home, wanting yeah. something not particularly taxing, but with an intriguing story, which this has got, you know. A lot of people aren't switching the TV on to watch a, no. a sort of line of duty or what have you. You know, someone they just want something to watch, and and this yeah. fits the bill, I think. If you do want just bubble gum for the brain, and you don't worry about you know stupidity in scripts, then the drowning is for you. All there on my five now. I don't think we've ever talked about my five but that's where you oh we have it. we have i i remember i think it was when we talked about blood i'm so glad that you keep the cliff notes on every podcast what? we do that's because i go back and do all the youtube reviews <laughs> yeah when it suits you okay um <laughs> next Get out of bed on the wrong side did we this morning <laughs> no i just hated the drowning and i'm oh, so yeah. glad we've done it i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do a jackie weaver in a minute and remove you from the <laughs> Topical. Next up, we will do a comedy because we're in the mood for something else. Uh, it's critically acclaimed. It lives in the US on Hulu. It's had two seasons. The critics in the US love it. It's on Stars Play, but now it has a UK home, landing all on all four. And 11 o'clock on a Friday night, I am, of course, talking about new US comedy, Rami, which Matt is going to very delicately walk us through. And if you talk going on about his gardening business, I'll remove you from the call. Read the standing orders, Luke. Read them and understand them. Anyway. Yeah, so there's not a lot really to sum up on this. As you say, you know, it's it's a semi-autobiographical Rami Yusuf is playing Rami Hassan, who is a modern-day American Muslim of Egyptian descent, just trying to navigate being part of that world while trying to lead a sort of semi-normal existence. So it's sort of measured between his family and his friends from that background with working when we first meet him in an internet startup which soon goes belly up you know comparing dating american girls to dating muslim girls and 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 the and the differences there and and it just basically follows his everyday life there's not a lot to it well i'm assuming that this wasn't on your radar before i asked you to watch it i know you probably would have watched the drowning anyway but this wasn't something that you probably would have even heard of prior to me dropping this email. Well, um, to be honest, but... I hadn't heard of The Drowning either until you told me about it. Oh, so no, don't lie, Will. Don't try and save face. <laughs> You'd seen the posters in the bus shelter. <laughs> on the way to get my impression? mango shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next to Little, there's a big poster of The Drowning. Don't go in the water now. <laughs> right. What were your first impressions of... Uh, the first episode of season one of this show. One of the things that I found interesting is, from my perspective, I, you know, I've not watched a, a lot of comedies that have uh, protagonists who were American Egyptian, you know. So that perspective in terms of telling jokes, I thought was interesting and something that I hadn't come across before. I mean, g- generally, I enjoyed it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the most necessarily sophisticated of humour, but it's still enjoyable. The jokes landed for me. And yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. 
Well, that was really going well until the last line there. The right. It's all right. Yeah. Watch it. Don't watch it. You know. Yeah, it's whatever. just a TV program. You don't watch, watch a millennial. It. Don't, don't watch it. You know. Don't watch it at all. And um, what I would say in Will's defence is, is this: is that I've seen a couple of these because a lot of my favourite critics in the US have, have banged on about how good it is and how relevant it is and how sort of breaking down barriers it is. And I would say that unfortunately the first episode struggles with some shock value in trying a little too hard and when it settles down later on with him and his family dynamic and just trying to find the way his way in the world and where he fits I think it's a much better show for that I do think there are flashes of really good stuff in this pilot there is the girlfriend he's with who hasn't realised that he's actually a devout Muslim and assumes he's drunk when everybody has ordered stuff and he, he says, no, I'd never drunk, you've just never noticed. I love the mother from the, the woman from Succession, back when he talks about his startup business. He's just started. Well, 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 shopping for a car? Yep, Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalised just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Stop, give him a break. There's, there's some little gags in here that are good. The US is in a phase with comedy where this would be in the same realm as something like Better Things where the comedy comes from the occasional things that people say or do. They're not set out like the traditional sitcoms that you might find on network television. They're sort of cooler, or they think they're cooler than those sort of comedies. But I do think it is showing us a world from a different perspective. I think he's very good because he's not a natural actor, and yet you buy into him. His, his job isn't acting, he's a stand-up. I know there are a lot of people have come from that world, but he is one that feels immediately comfortable to me on on screen. I do like it. I don't I don't rave about it to the degree that some critics have and to be fair I haven't seen a lot of the second season where Marsha Ali turns up and is apparently very good. But it's hard to judge on this first episode, but but I do like what the rest of it that I've seen and I think it is a little gem that I'm glad Channel 4 have got but in another way I'm slightly frustrated they've hidden it away at 11 o'clock mm. at night and stuck it all on all four. It's good because it means you can go and watch more right now if we've wet your appetite a bit. But also, if you're going to buy something that's this, you know, this revolutionary, for to use an over-the-top word, don't put it on at 11 o'clock at night. You know, put it on at a time where somebody would be watching the actual television well, to at least yeah, come across might- it. I felt I was watching his stand-up routine a lot of the time in this. Right. And I know you're saying, like, he's not 
an actor he is a stand-up and for me that that sort of showed really you know I, I felt like I was hearing a lot of well this is the difference between western girls and muslim girls and blah 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 and and I felt like at times it was a stand-up routine being sandwiched into a sitcom format yeah. that's one of the main issues I have with this opener and unfortunately yeah. as we always say if the opener doesn't grab you then you're less well, inclined I, to watch them. I thought we'd agreed to watch two episodes, so I oh, did. Oh, sorry. Oh, you did. Uh, oh, see, I didn't know that. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, so I, that's why I said in the, the start-up business goes under in the second episode. Yeah. He ends yeah, up working for his, for his uncle. I actually like that second episode more because yes, it was so more focused on, the, uh, on, on like this family dinner and then his relationship with his uncle. Probably the best scene in the first episode was with the family dinner and him asking the parents to set him up. And as you say, um, he am Abbas from, from Succession as the mum. I think she's brilliant. And, you know, it did feel quite formulaic in, in, in both episodes where he has a problem, he goes to his family, then goes to his two friends. They all say slightly different things. And, and then, you know, the main body of the plot occurs. But as you say, you know, this does feel very cool and hip i think it's good to have those alternate voices out there as well Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. so i think as will was saying you know you don't see see a lot of these types of culture perhaps on screen you know and and it's very unique to a certain culture so for example the the scene in the first episode where you know he's kind of quickly wash his feet before attending prayers at mosque and and you know there's this scene where the old man makes him wash between his toes, yeah. uh, which is, you know, probably something that the Muslims can relate to modern day Muslims, which, you know, they may not have been able to see on screen before, you know, comedy that's that's linked to people who previously didn't think they had a voice on screen. It finds its feet to carry on that narrative quite early on. So it's not one of these where you go get to the end of season one and it becomes something. I think after that second episode, it slowly goes from strength to strength, and I I keep. How many have you watched then, Luke? I've seen the first six, I think. Okay. And then something else popped up, and I didn't go back to it, but I can't remember why. But it's also we should also say it's it's an incredibly easy watch. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's it is just it just flies by, and as Matt says, it's a different point of view. Do you feel inclined, Matt, to go back at all? Now that I, it is in an easy place to mm-hmm. find or not? No, I, I, it didn't grab me enough, I have to say. Okay, so Rami is all available now on all four. I think just the first season, I think, but I'm not 100% sure. I could check that if I had the internet, which I do. So I'm going to just check that. <laughs> um, yeah, just season one on there at the moment. Um, so that is all there on the on the all four if you want to watch that. Okay, next up is a new Sky Atlantic drama, which is one of those rare breeds that we don't have to talk about very often, where I'm not sure where this originated. It aired in on Amazon in the US. Well, I, can I tell you? Because I know the answer. Go on. Oh, I didn't know it was a quiz. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sky Atlantic in Italy. In oh, it, well, initially. I, yeah. This explains it. So this yeah. is created by the same guy who... who directed and wrote the other acclaimed Sky Atlantic Italy show Gamora, which is about drug gangs. Uh, and this is another spin on the world of narcotics. This is 
kind of focused on three different worlds. So we've got the buyers in Italy who are a family run by this grandfather, but his grandson wants to turn on him. That's what we see there. Then we've got the growers, I suppose, in Mexico who are sending out their product in jars of olives and vegetables and all sorts. But the police are on to them and then we see a dramatic shootout. <laughs> and then, please mute, Will. That's just... I will remove you from the call. <laughs> who was that? That was me, sorry. I oh. thought I had muted myself. God, I feel I'm going to have to be tested now. <laughs> the growers in Mexico, they're on the radar of the local police. So there's a big shootout where some guys are taken down. And then the final part of the story are what they call the deal makers, which is this unassuming family in um, in America. Where are they? Come I on. think it's New Jersey. New, New Orleans. New, New Orleans. The oh. other New. New Orleans. <laughs> run by Gabriel Byrne, who siphon money and make deals with various drug cartels to send the product out so it's all three of these stories meshed together well not particularly meshed together they're told separately but they will mesh together the american family daughter uh, played by andrea riseborough emma is going to sort of take over the empire from her father because her younger brother chris has uh, been diagnosed with huntingdon's which took their their mother as well so he's slowly being edged out of the picture but as is the way, because it's a drama and because it's on television, it starts with Gabriel Byrne's character narrating things. And you see he's been injured in the shootout that we see in the second section in Mexico. And then it ends with him succumbing to his injuries. So it means that Andrea Riseborough's Emma and her brother Chris have got to sort of take over and run this business. And I'm going to confess, because I feel like I'm amongst friends and Matt, <laughs> that um, I put this off because I've been struggling a lot with getting into things. And I thought, oh, this is another one of those drug things like Narcos and Narcos New Mexico, where it's going to be a lot of people talking and shady looks and dramatic <laughs> sequences. And I just, I just don't have time in my life of emptiness at the moment to fill with this. But actually, sort of midway, because I, I saw it as three separate shows, really. So you've got, as I said, the action in Italy with the grandson hoping to take over from his grandfather and feeding somebody awful to a massive pig. Um, then you've got the section in Mexico, which is this grand shootout where a young child is caught in the crossfire and bleeds out. And you, you're wondering whether there's some some informants in the police working for these drug cartels, and then you switch to this American family. And I thought it held together well, and I thought I was really more invested than I expected to be. I thought mm. Andrea Riseborough, surprise, surprise, is fantastic, and I can't wait to see her in a meteor role because she's still the star of National Treasure in my eyes. I'm just so glad to see her again. And I really actually enjoyed it by the end. And maybe it's because I had such low expectations for it. But I thought it's unique. It's not like any of those shows that I compared it to. It feels authentic. It feels gritty. It looks absolutely stunning. I love to see things like this on my television. It just looks beautiful. All the panoramic views of both Italy and Mexico. 
Even New Orleans looks lovely, and I've been there, and it isn't. But the, the thing is, um, I just really enjoyed it. Whether the subject matter will sustain itself for me personally over the eight episodes, I couldn't tell you sitting here now. But watching the pilot, watching this first episode, I was really quite impressed. I, I, I had low expectations, and it exceeded those terribly low expectations, and I really thought it was good. And normally when things are three separate stories, I don't think they hang together well, but I'm sort of interested how these three worlds, they're bound to collide over the course of these episodes, and I'm looking forward to that. I agree with you in terms of that when I was going into it, I was a bit like, oh, is this going to be, you know, a bit like... um. Narcos or some of the other kind of drug and gangster-based dramas that I've seen before, but I was I was pleasantly surprised, like you, how much uh, I enjoyed it. One of the things that I really enjoyed was some of the characterization with the different characters, like in the first bit when we see um, Don Minu and uh, his grandson Stefano, and we see the contrast between them. Like Minu was obviously someone who has had to you know, fight his way up and is, is much more world-weary and worn than his, uh, his grandson, Stefano, who, you know, doesn't like people touching his new suit and is a bit more thoughtful about his appearance, let's say. And I like the contrast um, with those two and the, and, and the tension within the Italian cartel families, you know, the sort of the feeling that, oh, well, now that uh, Minu's beginning to lose his, his, his sight, he's getting a bit on a bit, maybe we should, you know, edge him out. And I, I, I like the interplay uh, there, I like the um, uh, Andrea Riseborough and uh, Gabriel Byrne characters, and I thought it was a shame that he got shot because I was enjoying uh, watching his character and um, seeing uh, uh, his uh, dealing and, and, and wheeling. Like with the uh, the, I, I particularly like the uh, the tanker scene when they're negotiating yeah. over the money for. The, I I really like that. I thought you got not just an insight into how they operated as characters but also like the power play within the family. And it, 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 really, it really served well in terms of plot and character. And I really liked that scene. And yeah, I, I just generally really enjoyed it and was engaged. And I have to say, I wasn't expecting to think, oh, I'd like to watch the next episode, but I, I would actually like to watch the next episode and to see where it goes. So yeah, I, 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 th- I thought it was really good. For me, there was bits I liked. Some of the characters, some of the moments, you know, as you said, the scene where the guy is fed to the pigs but I didn't feel like it all hung together. I came away feeling quite empty. It didn't intrigue me. It wasn't like, oh, I really want to see what happens next. I didn't have that. I don't know why that is. You know, and I liked, as you say, Andrew Riseborough is very good. I liked Dane DeHaan as well as yeah. the as the son with, with the, uh, the Huntingtons or, you know, there's that impending, you know, he's seen what has happened to his mum. And he knows the same is probably going to happen to him. And I I liked that. I think for me, it maybe was hurt by it being a three part story. And, and, you know, it's it's ambitious, but I I just felt like just as I got a a hang on one set of characters, oh, here's another set of characters. Mm. And, you know, it just wasn't anything, you know, these deals around cocaine and, and, and things like that. It just, was I, it I too feel close like... to real? Or was it oh, yeah, too close, too to, close to my life? day-to-day life. That's what it was, you know. But, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen things like this done before and better. And as as I say, just I didn't have that desire when I'd finished this episode to find out what will happen next. I, I was like, you know, one and done, I'm afraid, on this for me. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued enough to watch at least the next one to see whether it continues to be this 
uh, a section in Italy, a section in Mexico, and a section with the family. And if the focus is more on that American family, I'm probably going to stick around for a bit longer. But it will be an episode-by-episode basis for this. But I think it's definitely one people should check out because it isn't the show you assume it to be and it wasn't the show I assumed it to be. Uh, It's on Now TV in in, in entirety. It's also on Sky Box sets in its entirety. And if you're in the US, it's living on Amazon uh, over there as well if you're an Amazon Prime video subscriber. This is the bit of the podcast I hate. We have to say goodbye to Will. Oh, no. I don't know how to do it. I think I'm just going to maliciously end his part of the call. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh that's not is it because no. i've not read the standing orders yes yeah. Yeah, i think what, so what I, is there anything you've seen of late that you want to big up on the podcast? is there something you've seen that you've really loved that you don't think people are watching and they should uh well on the theme of italian dramas one thing that i really enjoyed it was on now tv is 1994 which is a political uh, drama about Silvio Berlusconi's uh, rise to power and the formation of the Second Italian Republic. It's part of a trilogy, uh, 1992, 1993, and the last installment, 1994, and that's on I now TV. I did it in order. Well, you should probably watch it in order, but... Yeah, I'm going to say. <laughs> but just as the most recent series has been on, I thought I would say, yeah. It's a really intriguing political drama, a kind of political drama that I've not seen before and so i would really recommend that if anybody's interested in that kind of thing when they do 1998 you might be there just (laughs) tell us just a little bit about your podcast big yourself up before i let you go well my podcast is the debated podcast i speak to different people involved with politics some people involved with politics and acting had people like um reese dinsdale on the podcast Stephen mcgann etc and uh yeah it's a, a political podcast but it's one that isn't like too uh, nitty gritty. If, if if you get my meaning, it's it views things from different perspectives. Mm. And yeah, if you if you're interested I, in that's probably a really bad advert. For I it. mean, <laughs> my question would be to you, Will: Are you having anyone on from Hamforth Parish Council? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I've not asked anybody yet, uh, but I mean, maybe I should. Maybe Julie's iPad would be the uh, the one to go for. Yeah, I think I need her backstory. <laughs> Where can you find you on Twitter? Should you want to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at W Barber Taylor on Twitter. I was going to go for Will Barber Twitter, uh, Will Barber Taylor, not Will Barber Twitter. <laughs> Will Barber Twitter. <laughs> Will Barber Twitter. That's the Will one to Barber... go for. Yeah, that's the one to go for. I should have gone for that. Uh, Will Barber Taylor. But there aren't enough characters, so it's just at W Barber Taylor. Don't use all the mango in one go. Try and space it out a little bit. I will do. I will do. I'll be sure to. I'll let you know if I like it and if it becomes a regular part of my um, hair care regime. That's why we're all here. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Okay, and that leaves Matt and I to discuss the second of the two planned Euphoria bridging specials uh, because they can't do season two yet. Uh, And so Sam Levinson was desperate to keep the show alive, desperate to keep the characters alive and their story arcs aware in people's minds because... I don't even know if we're going to get the second season this year, so we'll see. But um, the second episode was Hunter Schaefer's 
Jules's um, story, and uh, Hunter Schaefer actually co-wrote this story with Sam Levinson, the first one we spoke about last time uh, on our Best of the Year podcast, because I thought that conversation in the diner between Zendaya and her sponsor was magnetic. Do you want to just walk us through this one a little bit, this second yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to walk through. I mean, this is sort of goes parallel to Rue's story. This one is called F Anyone Who's Not a Sea Blob. And it's basically a therapy session with Jules where she talks about the desire to possibly come off a hormone re- replacement therapy and, and revert back to uh, being a boy because her feelings about being a woman are all sort of dictated to how men feel about her and and her male desires um and and talking about how she felt like she was being relied on too much by rue to help her get sober the fact that she is still in love with the boy she met online uh tyler who was actually the the evil nate if we remember back to the first season and then there's also a sort of realization done by flashbacks uh, that her mum, Jules's mum, wanted to reconcile with her. Uh, but when she had overheard Jules say that she didn't um, want to see her, didn't want to forgive her for anything she'd already done, she actually took an overdose on, on Halloween night. And that, that sort of prompted some of her uh, decisions to run away, uh, ultimately. Yeah. So, so that's sort of what happened. There are elements of this I really like, parts of the story I really like. But for me... It didn't capture the lightning in the bottle that first one did, which is strange because at its heart, they're very similar. And because of COVID restrictions, the first one, as I said, was Zendaya and, and her um, her sponsor in the diner. And this one was Hunter Schaefer talking to a therapist and discussing all of her issues. Bits of it I found really interesting. I, I liked learning more about that character because we only saw a glimpse of her early life when she was put into a facility and that was very traumatic to hunt to uh, Jules and it did feel very authentic and you could tell it was coming from somebody writing this that knew about the topic but as an episode it just felt a bit more of a drag a bit longer it felt a bit all over the place with all the flashbacks and things and maybe I wasn't in the mood for it but it just bits of it didn't work for me this one I think as well, maybe it had too many of those cinematic bit flourishes mm, that you're bit. not fond of. You you know, the the opening sequence where it is a lot of seeing things through Jules's eye, you know, it's all... It was like all of season... It was like she had the DVD of season one and we yeah. were watching it with her. And actually, I think my biggest thing with it was trying to remember all the beats yes. of the storyline with yeah. her and Nate and meeting yeah, him so online I... and not being able to see his face and she had sent him nudes and she, so he knew who she was but she didn't know who he was mm. I, I think it was interesting you know that psychological imagining this mystery man having sex with her and 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 things like that and, and the sequence they did there because this is the fantasy that she wants she wants to be loved mm. and i think it's the realization that maybe she found that with rue but ultimately, yeah. you know, there was other elements working against them there. Um, but it didn't have, I think it didn't have the same, you know, because there was a lot of interjections, a lot of edits, a lot of flashbacks, which that... It didn't that feel room, as grounded as the first one. Well, I wouldn't say grounded. It didn't have that stability of just two people sitting, having a conversation together. There was think, there was more going on 
for me, I think if it had just been the therapy, then it wouldn't have been. I think. Oh I no, think you it... can't. You couldn't do it twice. You couldn't no, do exactly. You need uh, to do something but, different. But it was just that I was less in, and I did remember all the next stuff, but mm-hmm. only because when I had a recent cold. I decided a good remedy would be watching all of season one of Euphoria okay. again for for no apparent reason. So it was fresh in my mind, okay. and I did know that. Well, so that what helped didn't me. You, what was it then that that stopped you from? I just thought it was a bit more dour and a bit more. Um... I wouldn't say dour because they they was quite the 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 first one the... was too. Yeah. And the, the things that I enjoyed uh, were learning more about Jules, mm. her backstory with her mother, because obviously Rue was the focus. We were hearing everything through mm. Rue's voiceover in the first season. So learning mm. that her mother was also alcohol dependent, that explains her relationship with, with Rue and why she finds it hard to support her through all her addiction. And even talking about coming off the meds was interesting because... You don't think of that, and you she's and, been abused by men. Yeah. But it was just, it was all the flashy bits and all the cutting to this and the cutting mm-hmm. to that um, that sort of took me out of it a bit I too think much. This one was more relevant to the plot, in my opinion. You know, yes. you could, you could Definitely. not have seen, you could not have seen Rue's episode this, and this still stand alone. No, yeah. this was a bridge, I think, between both the first and, and the full second season, whenever that's coming. You know, Rue's episode was a one-off, a conversation in a diner. You know, you will get more context if you watch it, but you don't have to watch it. This, I feel, you have to watch to understand, you know, because there's a whole, this is what was going on when we didn't see Jules on screen. It's giving more to the series, and then obviously the scene at the end when she goes back home and and, and Rue, Rue go, does she go to Rue goes to visit her doesn't she yes there's a moment of you know will they get back together you'll have to tune in next time folks yeah. the, the criticism unfairly I think of season one of, of of the first special was that it didn't feel like euphoria because covid meant that everything was stripped back and I feel to their credit they tried to make this feel as as fast-paced as flashy as cinematically interesting as the as the series because it felt like it could have been the next episode of season one or the first of season two but for some reason there was just too much uh, musical interludes that went on too long it was just i was just too aware of how the sausage was being made and you felt you knew you were watching tv yes that's the problem yeah that, and euphoria is at its heart a flashy, fast-paced, quick-edited mm. thing, and I'm aware of that also while I'm watching. But the characters are so interesting here. I just the bits of it I really liked were the tender, intimate bits, and the rest of it was was just seemed a little bit overplayed and overdone. Yeah, um, I I think I would agree with you that I don't think it it was as as powerful as that mm. as the Rue one, but it's it's different, and I still. Yeah enjoyed it you know oh, well, I, you've got to admire yeah. that they didn't dig because if it had just been another therapy session mm-hmm. what interest would there have been i just felt considering it was shorter by i think maybe 15 minutes shorter than the original it was 49 session. minutes this one yeah. i don't know it was the it, one it, other one just over an hour so that's probably about 10 this minutes one to me felt longer something mm. like yeah I, I i i can see that so that's euphoria not by any means, a bad episode no, of television. No, no. Just not as impressive, perhaps, to me. As more important to, to the series. To the story, yeah. yeah when you look story. back, you can admire that 
yeah. that Zendaya episode, but this was plot driven and hopefully it will mean we can start season two with a relatively clean slate mm. because they've dealt with some issues that they perhaps would have had to have done at the start of season two. So Euphoria, don't F with anyone who's not a C-blob. Uh, somebody who's going to have to use that title for, a, for an episode of TV mm. at some point uh, is now on Sky and Now TV for you to watch. That is it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on any of the podcasting apps you use. We will um, be on most of them. And if we're not, give us a shout and I will seek us out and put us somewhere. Uh, please tell your friends about us as well. It just helps spread the word of not only the podcast that Matt and I do each week, but the website itself, thecustardtv.com. We're on Twitter at CustardTVPod. Uh, Matt is at Matt's TV Bites, and I am at Luke Custard TV. That is it. I think that's all we need to say mm-hmm. uh, for this week. Thank you again to Will. Yeah, thanks, Will. On Twitter, as he says. And Matt and I will be back shortly with another TV-related podcast. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Well, well, shopping for a car? Yep, Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.